How are the leaders at all levels of management tackling the toughest challenges each day? That's the question. And this podcast is the answer. I'm Rob Fonte, and I'm bringing on the brightest minds in management to share practical solutions to those challenges you're facing. Let's get ready to jam. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Leadership Jam Session. This is part two of a two-part recording where I sit with several coaches that participated in a recent Emerging Leaders program that I create and facilitate. These are seasoned leaders hand-selected by the organization to help coach their assigned participant throughout the entire duration of the program. You'll hear perspectives around the importance of people development, approaches, timing, etc., if you haven't listened to the previous episode, episode 84, I would encourage you to listen to that one first, as this episode dovetails on that conversation where I sit with participants, aka emerging leaders, who went through the program and shared their leadership development journey. So now I'm going to drop you right into our conversation with their coaches, Scott Pelton, George Kerner, Stacey Ransom, Allison Gerlach, and Adam Fogel. Enjoy the episode. All right. So you've all been part of the Emerging Leaders Program. And for the past year, you've had the opportunity to coach, mentor, a couple participants going through this Emerging Leaders Program. And these are individuals who are looking to become leaders one day. And part of our role was to not only assess their capabilities, but also to help identify strengths, areas, development, and help them along their journey. And you were with them at every step of the way. You were with them at all live training sessions, the monthly virtual group calls that we would have, as well as your own one-on-one calls on a monthly basis with each of the participants you were coaching. So I'm curious, just to get your thoughts on your experience, what stood out to you the most? Who'd like to start? Well, I guess I'll go ahead and start if that's okay. I think yep, go ahead, it was... It was really tremendous to see that not only the progression of the individual contributors, right, to see how they went from our, I think we had three in-person in, in sessions and to see sort of the rawness of it. And uh, what was really interesting, and that we kind of all discussed it on our last physical session together, was that the, the, the stronger personalities were much louder and more boisterous in the first session. And as they became more keenly aware, they sort of tempered that as it went through and it allowed some of the others that were not quite as vocal early to sort of blossom into these future leaders and just to see the progression of it over just the course of what, six or seven months was really, really cool. It was really cool to see that progression. Yep, George? Yeah, and, and Rob, just to add to that, Adam, I totally agree. And maybe Rob, I'll get your take on this. I used to hear that leaders were born and some people are born leaders. But in some recent business or leadership books that I've read recently, I've read that leaders are made and not born. And I think with this course, the Emerging Leaders Program convinced me of is just that, that I think we saw a group of individuals who were not necessarily in leadership positions. But I think as we talked about leadership over the course of the program, you saw these leadership skills emerge. And as you practice it and as you focus on it, as you read about it, I think everybody has those skills. And I think it's just a matter of working on them. I think that's one of the important parts of business is everybody's a leader, no matter what your role is. If you realize that and can identify that, I think that can really come to the surface and help you in not only your day-to-day -day job, but in your career as you aspire to do different things. So George brings up a great point, right? This is like one of the debates that's always out there, right? Are you born with these skills or can they be cultivated? So just let's get the rest of the group's thoughts on this. Yeah, I can take, I can take a stab at that. 
maybe there's a little bit of truth to both, right? But one thing that the program shows is that if you understand the perspective that the individual is coming from and you start to understand the experiences they have had that have formed and shaped them, you can really start to see whether or not they're, if they weren't a born natural leader, that they can adapt those skill sets and get to that point. I love seeing the individuality come through with the participants as the program goes. It's, it's truly amazing. All right. Great point, Allison. Stacy. I think that's a good point because I, I found that to be the piece that I always took away from too, is that we're all, even as the coach within this program, I took away and had a much more self-awareness of my skill set or the way that I coached and mentored or, or, or led a team. And it, it made me very aware of things that I could also work on. We always say, don't, don't dull the sparkles. So you want everyone's individuality to definitely come through and for it to feel natural. And so just helping them hone in on those really strong pieces and working with whatever that personality might be. To George's point, it allows everyone to have the ability to be a leader. I'm curious how many of you um, walked in in the first session and you kind of had some opinions on some of the participants. Were you surprised by the time the, the journey was done that originally you might have had a perception of some of the participants like, yeah, I'm not sure they, they're going to be cut out to manage people. And then, and did that change by the time it was all said and done? 100%. Yes. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> it's almost like the emotional intelligence, self-awareness was uh -huh. a little lacking in some. And, and as they sort of got taken down a peg in some cases, became better listeners, right? And those are obviously key parts of leadership is being able to read the room know how you roll and how it, how everyone else rolls and how it's best to communicate with each other and obviously active listening is something that we all need to work on yeah my my spouse loves to tell me that on a <laughs> basis yes some of you were also surprised too is that right yeah i in, in the role that i have currently i have interactions with a lot of the folks that we brought in on a daily basis i i kind of thought i knew who these people were based on my interactions with them but to what you were saying, Adam, it's, it's growing through those nine or 12 months together, coaching even some that are very much opposite of who I am at my core. It helped me understand those perspectives in a much different way, where I had a different, a different appreciation for them as individual contributors, partners, teammates, all of that. So, yeah. It's interesting because you have your preconceived notions and you can see them taking shape. But throughout that, there were also moments when those preconceived notions would like, I may have been right about that. So it's like sometimes a bit mind blowing. And then you see them like come full circle and recognize it themselves. It is like just a really exciting thing to see. Mm -hmm. yeah. George? I guess the only thing I would ask, Scott, or ask you, Rob, is I guess what I, I have seen over the years and I was kind of looking for in this program, sometimes when people are goes to leadership at different levels of their career, they decide maybe this is not for me. And they say, maybe I just want to stay as an individual contributor. I think that's more on the rare side based on what we've seen in this program. But I have seen that in my experience where some people say, I don't know if I'm cut out to be in a, in a managerial or people managing role. So I think that's one of the other benefits of, of going through a program like this is you can kind of decide maybe where your strengths best lie in your career. Yeah. When it's done the right way, right? Because sometimes 
participants feel like if they say that that maybe it's this is not the right path, that somehow it's going to be punitive, right? It's, it's going to reflect on their career. And I've seen that, and that's the wrong approach, right? The beauty of, of how we've all worked together is that we provide that, that safe space for them to figure out, is this the right path? And to your point, George, it, it, it does happen. Sometimes there are some participants who do feel like this isn't maybe the right path. And in, in those cases, it's usually, it's not the right timing either. But for the most part, it's participants coming in thinking that it's not the right path. And as they go through it, they start to realize that, oh, well, maybe I can do this, right? And, and, and really, it's, it's because of the, the help of the coaches, right? All of you helping to build that confidence. In fact, Scott, in, in the first cohort, we had, we had that scenario. Participant actually thought that maybe this isn't the right path and then became a manager during the program. And it just had to do with the confidence piece of it. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. I, I see a couple of things. One is what you said, where they may lack the confidence that they can do it. Two is, I think there's some confusion sometimes on the motivation to become a leader. And many of our folks in the first cohort, it was everybody and, and the others, it was about half are salespeople. And they are naturally very competitive. And a lot of people just see that next rung on the ladder is the next thing I need to obtain. And well, why do you want to be a leader, Rob? It's the next thing. Like this, this is what we're all fighting for. And they don't even ask if they really do want the job for what it is, which is to, to help and grow a team and, and all of those things that come along with it. I think what changes a lot of people's minds in the program is understanding from the coaches why they chose to be in leadership and why they continue to, to stay in leadership. Mm. They hear enough horror stories, interviewing problems, having to fire people, things that don't go well, that there's plenty to dislike about leadership, but they hear all of those like rewarding sides as well that, that really drive our motivation to, to do it and want to continue to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think to piggyback off of what Scott said, another thing that people come in with is that common misconception that people have that leading is about having direct reports, but it's really about your ability to influence, mentor, and coach. And that really starts to come through. And one thing I've seen with people that I've coached through the program is that they, they find other ways of leading and, and getting into projects where they can like start to create that sphere of influence and they start seeing it in a different light. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, even if they don't become leaders of people, you could even see just, just the skills that they require that just helps them in their day to day. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good point, Allison, because it's a, it's a different appreciation for what all goes into being an effective leader. And I think a lot of times we hear that, that, oh, I had no idea it was going to require all of this, or I had no idea that we had to go to, into it with this mindset. Did anything surprise you as, as a coach going through the program with the participants as you reflect back? One thing I was surprised, Rob, was by session three in person, the team had really gelled. And I think what that created and fostered, and that's coaches as well. It was really a, a remarkable thing to watch how trust can also help maybe those that are not that driving mentality really come out of their shell and feel like their voice really does get a little bit louder and, and their confidence really grew from stage two to stage three in person. And it was, it was really fun to see that happen. Well, I was just going to say the level of vulnerability 
that we saw in this third cohort. I think what set everyone else apart, the ego was checked, and especially by the third phase. Adam, like what you were saying, it's like they got it and they were looking forward to those those colleagues within the room because they were leaning so much on one another. So yeah, I think I, I just the vulnerability is what surprised me. We had we had some really impactful stories that were shared and no one seemed to be wary or afraid to get to that level. I was surprised that I needed waterproof mascara for the leadership journeys. Oh. <laughs> I know. As people, as the participants <laughs> shared their leadership journey. Yeah. Pretending it was really were. that inspiring messages that, that were delivered by almost 100% of them at, at some level, right? More tears flew in some, but it, it was uh, people were, were doing their mock presentations as they were introducing themselves to what would be their new teams. And they created slide content about a really personal experience that, that really defined how they would approach their own leadership journey. Yeah, not a dry eye in the house. And it was, it was a fun thing to be a part of, a great way to end the, the nine-month process. Mm -hmm. George? To answer your question, though, Rob, about things that I think I was surprised about, I think what I'm always surprised about are the preconceived notions. And I know someone, I think, Allison, you mentioned preconceived notions that, that you know, the participants had about what a leader is. And I think, like, I've, I've heard the term that leadership is a dichotomy. And that, because I think some people came in and thought they had to be ultra confident. And I think you do as a leader have to be confident, but not cocky. Stacey, you mentioned check your ego. And I think people had understood they have to check their ego. You have to be, not to be a leader, you also have to be a follower. And in those, there's a dichotomy. You have to be humble, but not passive. I have to listen, but, or be, be quiet, but not silent. And there's, I think I, I saw that dichotomy and what people came in with a preconceived notion, how that changed over the course of learning about these leadership principles. And it was interesting seeing that change, even session from session to session. I think also what helped with that too was having all of you in the room because you were modeling the behaviors of what good leaders look like. Having been a part of all three cohorts, people always ask like, what, do you still learn stuff? And I would say I absolutely learned something at everyone. And this last one, Stacy used the word, it's vulnerability. We talk a lot about trust, a great article about trust. If it's a forest, right? It takes years and years, decades to build, but it can be burned down in an instance. When you take over a team, you only have so many opportunities to show that you're, that you put family first or, you know, that you have the right motivations. That can take a while before you really get a, a couple of swings at that. You can show vulnerability from, from the beginning. And we saw that with, uh, with the presentations in that last phase. But I think that was also the connection with the coaches. I don't think any of the coaches, maybe except for Adam, went in there and said, like, I'm a perfect leader. Like, I don't think that happened. We were all extremely willing to talk about the mistakes that we've made, how we're pretty much guaranteeing we're going to continue to make mistakes. This isn't about perfection. And the other thing I think that that specifically helped with is the people that didn't have the stereotypical, quote unquote, leader mindset, right? Or attitude or bravado that Allison mentioned, they realize they can be great leaders too, but they have to be able to do it in their own way. They have to be comfortable with it. And so I just think everybody kind of being vulnerable to the group really, really assisted in that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and it's not something that, that you can just learn in one sitting. And I mean, it's, it, it is a journey. Scott, to your point, as you mentioned, you've been a coach for three cohorts and you still learn something. 
right, Stacey? And I think that's just really important. But I think the participants see that over several months too, which helps with that. I think, Rob, they even mentioned that in that last cohort, that very last session where they were sharing back with their leadership team that being together for nine months or longer, it's it's impactful. It's more like a forever skill set versus a day conference, a few hours sitting behind a computer, taking a course. So there's an investment of time, energy, resources, support to be able to do that, that I think carries a lot more weight with it than just spending a day and listening to someone speak on it. So there's a lot of value in the journey, I think. Just to piggyback off of what Scott said, like the journey is in the leaders that you chose to coach as well. I, I can tell you, hands down, without a doubt, I am a better leader today than I was two years ago after doing this. Like I've learned so much and I, I have a team that's reported to me for about five years. And I mean, they can directly see the changes in in me as a leader from just going through this experience and and adapting and hit, figuring out like, I, I know I know more about what I don't know now and I can take action. And I, we just have such a great cohesive team and it wouldn't have been there had I not had this opportunity to coach and experience that vulnerability with even the participants. How many of you feel the same way? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think this is something important too, particularly for for anyone listening in on this who may not have the the ability to to be a coach or a mentor through a formalized program. There are many, many struggling first-time leaders out there, uh, newly promoted, who are just floundering and struggling that would love the opportunity for somebody to help coach and mentor. And so my best advice is there are people out there who would definitely value from, from anyone who's experienced, and you're going to learn a lot in the process too, to coach and mentor them. The program too, just it forces self-reflection, something that I think many of us don't take the time to do because you, you just run out of time, right? In your day, there's so many tasks, there's so many things you have to get done and you don't sit back and really self-reflect and this program in the time together and the experiences just forces that not only in the participants, but also in the coaches. Yeah, Yeah, because we spent a lot of time the first session going through the disc profiles. I mean, not just an hour. I mean, I felt like the better part of the day or a half a day was dedicated to, to learning about each other's personalities first. And I think that foundation gave a, a, a tremendous amount of insight and and allowed the progression to really start to to happen more quickly. Whereas if we hadn't spent that level of what seemed a little bit like, all right, next topic, maybe for me originally, because I had gone through the disc profile, but I think it did allow for greater self-reflection because it was not just a quick, hey, this is the basis of the D, the I, the S, and the C. Mm-hmm. No. Hey, but Adam, I totally agree with what you're saying. And I think I I had the same sense when we first started doing that disc session. But I think what it reinforced to me is how important it is to understand yourself and your own personality profile so you can actually lead others. You know, sometimes, you know, you feel like you hire people that are a reflection of yourself. And if you understand where your strengths are and maybe where your shortcomings are, it can help foster the development of a more well-rounded team. So I did. I, I really did think that was valuable as well. Scott? To piggyback off what Allison was talking about, and to go back to the question you had earlier, are leaders born or are they developed? I think the opposite can be true. You can be technically a leader in a managerial role for years, 
and not develop at all. And it's that self-awareness piece. If we don't stop and actually evaluate ourselves, how do you really know? Of the people that I have on my team, I have one person that's been through this program that's been a manager for a little while, one recent grad, and then other people that haven't had any official training. And it is clear sometimes from the skill sets that you can see that people just aren't quite as prepared for some of the leadership challenges that they see. I do want to dovetail into that in a minute here, but just to go back, just to kind of close the loop on this. So based on what I'm hearing, it's clear, particularly in the beginning, we spend a great deal of time on really the participants learning who they are. Yeah. Right? That self-reflection, because I think we all agree in, to, to lead, you first have to understand how you're wired. And with DISC, as part of the reason why we do it is to understand that as well as knowing that you have to adapt to others. And you can just see the progression. Again, my whole pet peeve is, is the flavor of the month or the year type of training events, right? Where this was all part of a journey and you can see that self-reflection continue and then progress all the way to the final session. And I think that helped to just keep everybody in check or at least to be, to be more confident to keep each other in check. <laughs> so Scott brings up an interesting point and this is part of the great debate out there too, right? Is it okay to just promote people into management positions without having any type of management training? Or do you think people should go through some type of foundational training before they take over a team? Be interesting to hear your perspective now sitting as a coach and watching participants go through it. And Scott, I guess we kind of know where maybe you landed a little bit just based on what you said. Yeah. I, obviously, I, I think it's preferential to have someone go through a training whether it's specifically a program like the Emerging Leaders Program or, or other types of training. Right. The biggest challenge I see is once someone is promoted, they are so often promoted and they have to backfill their own role on the team. So they start kind of in the hole. They're kind of chasing it. They're drinking from a fire hose. That's kind of the worst time to try to pull them out and, and do training. That said, the only other real challenge of, of doing this training proactively is potentially training people and not having a role for them to step into it. And so that's just something to be aware of and whether the employees you have are regionally based or all out of the same office, you have to think a little bit ahead, workforce planning perspective. Are we going to need this many managers? Where do we think we're going to need them? And what's the cost of training them proactively? But, but that said, if given the option, absolutely. I would want to train my folks before promoting them. I had, my first management position was at a company that required every new manager to go through training to at minimum teach them like what they can and cannot do. And it's really amazing to me, you know, in, in this particular industry, in a company that's always thinking about how to mitigate risk, it's just not a risk that, that that's really being thought of. And bringing people into management and not giving them the, the right tools to understand some of the responsibilities of the job is is a risk. So I, I do think it's it's incredibly important and it's great to have some kind of tier level of management training from day one think, all the yeah. way through executives. Allison, you hit a, a word there and it was risk, right? So I think to answer your question, Rob, yes, you could bring in and promote, but you were building a risk into it right out of the gate. Are they going to be successful? Am I, am I putting time and energy into Developing someone and preparing them to lead a team that isn't going to successfully work out. And then I've got to do it all over again later. So I think, yeah, I think it's risky. I, I like that word, Allison. I thought that was perfect way to describe it. 
think that a real world sample in one of the cohorts, we had a participant that thought you could just fire somebody and that you, you didn't have to do the work up front. Imagine that that person was promoted and they, they just fired somebody. Like that's an example of what can happen if, if you don't provide any level of management training when you, when you promote. That's a great point. That's right. That did come up. Yeah. And to, and to your point, Allison, I think in our last cohort, we had a panel of some of our senior leadership that attended some kind of a roundtable discussion. And I guess the risk of giving them the training without that position that's, that's, that's waiting for them, does that also somehow kind of give them, they're, you're enticing them, you're, you're telling them that they're ready because they have a natural leadership, and then you give them this comprehensive training over the course of six or nine months. And then by the way, hey, we don't have a job for you. And, and do they, they lose patience? That's, that's part of the risk too of, of training people without a definitive position waiting for them. I completely agree. This kind of goes back to what Scott was saying before, right? There is downside mm -hmm. to building your bench out too much, right? I mean, there has to be that strategy of having that foresight of how many spots or, or potentially how many spots will we have versus how big is our bench. Scott? You were gonna... Yeah, but just to comment on that, I haven't personally been burned yet. And I've had a lot of people go through this program and some step into leadership almost immediately and others not. What I found their takeaway is that they feel very appreciative to have been developed. And yeah, can they get a little impatient? Sure. But what we've tried to focus their energy on is like Allison was saying earlier, is leading in your own role whether that's on the field advisory board or, or that's in any other capacity, but showing leadership and, and increasing your sphere of influence is, is all they usually need to continue their development and therefore usually buy us a little bit of time. It's all in the messaging. It is. Marketing. It, marketing is <laughs> the idea. Great. Yeah. <laughs> right. Hence the marketer. <laughs> George, your thoughts? I know you were going to weigh into. He, he agrees with Allison. He's a marketer. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's all I was going to say. I, would, I, I agree with what Allison said. <laughs> together. I love that. <laughs> what I will say is that for anybody that is thinking about either putting together a program or, or offering any type of management training, the one thing I would just recommend regardless is to have seasoned leaders who are in the current role help out in some capacity, right? To even just attend a session to weigh in on things or to get them involved in mentoring. Because as I think you can all just bear witness as being coaches, your role in the program really led to the success of it, hands down. And so that would be my advice for anybody out there who's listening that's going to be putting a program together. You have to include current managers, bring them in and leverage them. So having been a part of all three cohorts and in the last two, being more responsible for selecting the coaches and the participants along with the, the team. I just find who we choose as coaches to be extremely important in, in the process. Like we talked about earlier, just because someone's done a role for a long time doesn't mean that they're developed and that they're great people managers and, and all of that. And so compliments to, to this group for doing a fantastic job in the last quarter. But I feel like we've gotten stronger and stronger each, each time. And then as far as the candidates, trying to select the people for the right reasons. I think it's easy to look at a leadership training program as a reward for great performance. I think Adam might've touched on it as far as just promoting your, your hotshot rep or whatever, but 
I think it's really important that, that you, you're honest in your assessment of the team you have and whether they have three years of experience or 30 years of experience, properly assessing them for the, the skills and attributes they have. And you think the, the motivations and desires they have for the program moving forward. I, I thought the cohort that this last one went through was 12 for 12, a fantastic group. And credit to Levanova, credit to the, the leaders that helped nominate them. But it was, it was excellent. And what I think I appreciated too, Scott, was the diversity of the, the team that was in that room. It wasn't all the same career path. It wasn't all the same motivation. It wasn't the same end game, right? So you had the different perspectives that allowed for someone in a sales position to hear someone on the marketing side or someone on a clinical side learn from someone that's in a, in a different capacity there too. So I really appreciated that. And I think that's what also made the coaches panel so great is we each had a different background that we could bounce ideas off of. And it just, it enriches the program when you have a very diverse table as we did. You might be surprised to hear this when I, in the early stages of, of, of launching this program with almost every single one of my clients, the question always comes up, is it better to just keep it the participants from the same business group? And I, and inevitably I have to walk them through the, the downside of doing that versus opening it up to other departments. And that's because they haven't just experienced it themselves to see the benefits. But you know, what I'm hearing here is clearly you all agree there is great benefit in making sure it's not just from one business unit or the same department. It's just opening up to many different groups to have that diversity of thought. There are so many different types yeah. of leaders. I mean, we talked, we touched on it, Rob, at the beginning of this conversation. And that's the beauty of, of leadership is that there, there is more than one way to skin the cat. I think if you put a bunch of sales managers in as coaches, you're going to have a heck of a lot more bravado. There's going to be a, not as much diversification of viewpoints. And, I, and as I would say, absolutely, I think that's that. And, and again, I think what it also offers to, to individual business units within the same organization is we are somewhat siloed sometimes in our little scope of business, but I think it, it almost adds a certain level of loyalty to the organization because you see the talent coming from different perspectives in different business units. And, and you really feel like a sense of pride in, in the organization as a whole. So I think it's a, a spot on thing that, that adds a lot of value to the participants that are going through the program and, and how they kind of view their, their parent organization. Yeah, I think if you had people from all the same business units and the same function, you run the risk of having affirmation rather than transformation. Like, yep, guys, yeah, we're, we're all doing the right things. We're saying the right things. We know the same things. Let's have at it. I, I think part of the transformative experience is having the different perspectives. Yeah. Yeah, completely agree. I'll just wrap up with one point that Scott said, that having the right coaches is critical, right? And it does take a lot of investment of your time. Right. And kudos to all of you. I mean, you are all part of everything, every step of the way. But, you know, having the right coaches who are dedicated is a critical part of it. And it does take time just to make sure you, you, you get it right. It takes a lot of investment of vetting it. So I completely agree with you, Scott. Thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, 
Be sure to share it with a friend or colleague who you think might also get some value from it. I'm Rob Fonte, and I'll see you on the next episode of the Leadership Jam Session Podcast. 